the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. I'm Bob Moffat. Welcome to The Kingdom and Its Stories. In this program, we record people from around the world who God has enabled to be Jesus' hands and feet in order to attract people who don't know him to himself. And today, we have Jim Yost, a friend of mine from Papua, Indonesia. And Jim has got some amazing stories to tell. And so, Jim, welcome to the kingdom and its stories. During this COVID time, uh, last year and a half, around the world, it seems like we've all become preoccupied with ourselves, with uh, surviving, with getting by, and uh, hoping something will get back to what we've thought was normal <laughs> before. Three, I see three different things happening uh, here in uh, our part of the world and maybe in your part. People are just trying to hold on and get back to what was normal. Or they are uh, trying to ascertain what is God saying in all that's happening right now. Because nothing happens on this earth without God's permission. Satan couldn't uh, tempt Job without God's permission. So nothing happens on this earth except it comes to the uh, divine will, the filter of God's will. And so God probably has something he's trying to say to us through the COVID time. And that's what we've been trying to ascertain. Um, and uh, what would what would Jesus do? <laughs> he was here during this time. You know, many years ago, there were these bracelets, WWJD. What would Jesus do? That uh, We wore in shirts and all kinds of things. Uh, that's a question I've been asking. What would Jesus do if he was here during the COVID pandemic? And uh, I think it goes back to a book a number of years ago that Bob wrote that really impacted me. Uh, if Jesus was mayor, what would Jesus do if he was mayor of your city? Uh, really good book if, if you all haven't read it. Um, but the basic thing is, hey, we are salt and light. Uh, we don't have to learn how to be salt. We don't have to learn how to be light doesn't take a lot of qualifications. Have Jesus, have salt. Have Jesus, have light. And just have to stop making excuses and get out there and, and do the stuff. I think COVID has uh, made us more desperate, uh, made us evaluate what's working and not, work, not as work, and is not working. And if it's not working, why do you keep doing it? 
and it's made us more focused on the harvest, on lost people, and it's made us more holistic. Everything we do, there's no sacred and spiritual uh, divide between secular. It's all spiritual, <laughs> and it's all about human beings and their needs right now. So when churches or, or Christian organizations uh, want to get involved in their world, their city around them or their nation, uh, often the wrong question is being asked. I hear leaders, Christian leaders say, Jim, uh, we, we don't know what do we have to give our city? Wrong question. The question is, what does our city need? What are the needs of your city, of your region, of your area where you live? And you bring yourself into those needs, whether you feel qualified or not qualified. You bring yourself like Jesus came into this world. Uh, you become incarnational into the needs of your city. And that can uh, be ascertaining. You, you look, you ask questions, you discern what are the, the needs, what's going on, what are the problem areas, what is exploding right now, uh, what are the needs of our city, and then you bring yourself into those needs. And then Jehovah Jireh comes in and gives you everything you need to be able to make an impact. It's not about having a whole lot of knowledge and expertise. It's about having a heart. Everything begins with a heart. And that's why I want to uh, just talk a little bit about um, with some examples from my life. Uh, maybe one I'll talk about is the business that hasn't uh, declined during COVID, <laughs> prostitution. Uh, it's a booming industry around the world and in every country. Um, a number of years ago, uh, we discerned that 15 minutes from our house was a city of prostitutes. Uh, 300 that were exported here from another island. And this whole city, the whole business was about prostitution. All the, the, the restaurants and everything, uh, all about seeing this one business flourish. And one time churches came and they tried to barricade, uh, this place so people could not go in. They, in the front of the road going into the city, they put barriers. And I went by that day and I cried. Because uh, I thought, if churches don't take these girls into their churches, how are they ever going to have a, a new chance at life? So that's when we started going in. And my wife and some gals from her cell group got had a heart, just started going in, got permission for her and them to go in. How could you get permission? <laughs> well, you want to bring added value to the, the, to the owner. <laughs> you say, hey, uh, my... These gals will sit with the, your girls who operate here and let them uh, pour out their hearts and talk and counsel, and they'll be psychologically better able to serve their customers. Uh, but it, it, uh, it got permission to get in, and so my wife would just sit with the women, and you don't have to say a lot. You just have to listen, the ministry of listening. And you, they pour out their hearts, and you give them honor, and you give them worth, and someone for the first time is considering them more than just a piece of merchandise for the satisfaction of the customer. And with time, they start desiring spiritual answers to their struggles and Bible studies start and they turn their lives over to Jesus. 
but they can't get out because uh, they're like indentured servants. They have contracts, they have debts that are so high they could never pay off. So um, we do a deal, they save up their money and we do get people to do matching funds and we buy out their contract and they can get out and be free and not have to do that anymore. But it takes time, sometimes weeks, sometimes months before they can get out. But in the meantime, their hearts have been changed. They're following Jesus, but now they do redeemed prostitution. Do you have that in your city? <laughs> redeemed prostitution. This is what it looks like. I had a guy come to one of my cell groups one time, uh, and he was brand new. And uh, I said, how would you hear about our group? <laughs> and he said, a little bit embarrassed, yeah, last week I was at the prostitution center, and uh, I met this girl. <laughs> she told me about you guys, because <laughs> when I went in to be with her, she started talking to me. And she asked me, uh, don't you have a wife? And I said, yeah, I have a wife. She asked, don't you have children? I said, yeah, I have children. Then she asked, why do you come here to me? Why don't you go home to your wife and children? I was confused. I'd never heard a prostitute talk like this. Uh, and I asked her, why are you talking like this? And she said, oh, it's because that lady that comes here and visits us, she teaches us to talk for half an hour. Uh, we don't have to have sex, but you still have to pay us. Yes, <laughs> that's redeemed prostitution. And that night, that man came to my group and he gave his life to Jesus. A prostitute brought him to faith. Uh, this has flourished uh, uh, many places in our network in this country and has become one of our uh, main ministries. It's not a specialized ministry for a group of people that have special training. It's something we all are involved in because we care for our city. Another one is jail inmates. Lots of people do prison ministry. If you look in the Bible, most of the leaders in the Bible were in prison at some time during their life. It's kind of like a qualification to be used of God. And uh, I've been in incarceration before, and so I have a real burden for people, uh, especially men in jail. And so I was started doing this a number of years ago. But my heart was, I don't want to treat these people like objects. They're subjects of ministry. And so I didn't want to just do ministry in the jail for men. I wanted to raise them up to be leaders and plant a church in the prison. Could the prison become a church? And that's what we endeavored to do in the largest prison here. And uh, it succeeded. And we started doing Bible studies and uh, doing Bible training courses, <laughs> the seminary in the prison, uh, ordaining leaders, ordaining pastors in the prison. Most of our leaders are multiple murderers <laughs> and rapists. Uh, they're in there for a long time. They might as well minister to other inmates. <laughs> But their lives get turned around and they get used of God and the prison is transformed. Uh, until one day the, the prison warden, the head of the prison, called me and said, Jim, because of what you are doing in your team, our prison is totally transformed. Hundreds of inmates now, their lives have changed. But I'm really worried about the guards. Can you do something for the guards now? And so we started doing, inmates were doing Bible studies and having the guards come and inmates laying their hands on the guards, praying for them. Just a very special things that you would never imagine out of the box. And just because you never thought of it doesn't mean it can't be done. Creative. COVID has made us really a lot more creative, folks. And we need to be realizing everything's changed. A whole new wineskins. 
Uh, another one is uh, addicts, drug addicts. You know, drug dealing and uh, use is escalating during COVID everywhere in our country and in many other countries. And so I, I thought, you know, we've been doing this a long time too, many years, because uh, I have a, a propensity for, for addicts because I was at that place one time in my life. And we use 12 steps, uh, the 12 steps program, but we use inductive Bible study to discover what are those triggers to addiction and how to overcome them. And it's having addicts learn from scripture uh, how they have a new self-image in God, and they don't have to revert back to those triggers to, to run from their problems, how to deal with it, how to fail and get back up. You see, in, in church, we teach people how to be successful. We rarely teach people how to fail. Probably need to do that a whole lot more uh, because there's lots of failure in this life, and we need to train people to fall, get back up, and keep on moving. There's, well, in our drug rehab program, in the last two years, we've gotten an honor from the uh, Minister of Correctional Facilities in the country as the best drug rehab program uh, for underage addicts in the country. And it's not about us. It's about how we get involved in the lives of hurting people and allow them to discover answers for their life that transforms and then releases them to do the same thing with other people. For those who've tuned in late to this broadcast, we welcome you to the Kingdom and its Stories. We're listening to an interview of a friend of mine who is in Papua, Indonesia, Jim Yost. Jim, go ahead. I think I'd just like to mention five things that have become the pillars of what we do. Um, and I call it Matthew's iPod. But lots of people don't realize Matthew had an iPod. Uh, Matthew 10.8 and then IPOD. So Matthew 10, 8, freely you've been given, freely give it away. Meaning we, the little bit you get from God, you give it away to somebody else immediately. An addict starts moving towards Jesus. He brings another addict along with him. I tell them, hey, you're not free from drugs until you help somebody else get free from drugs. You're not a disciple until you've discipled somebody else. That's proof that God has done something in your life and you've passed it on to somebody else. So that's what we do. We, we get this multiplica multiplication started from the very first day. Uh, we even have kids that live with us, a dozen kids, sometimes up to 20 and 30, kids off the street, kids who are orphaned, maybe one or two parents have died of AIDS, uh, or they were abandoned or, or abused, and we take them in, ages 8 to 18, <laughs> and whatever kids need help. And they're not believers when they come in. But they start following Jesus pretty quickly. What we give to them, we say, you give it away to somebody else very quickly. When they want to bring a new kid in to live with us, we live communally. And uh, they have a house meeting all on their own because it has to be unanimous. And one kid says, hey, I got this friend who just fell really bad. Let's bring him in to live with us. It has to be 100% unanimous because they're going to do the discipling, not me. And the new kid comes to the door and somebody who's been with us maybe three months grabs their hand and says, hey, as I'm trying to follow Jesus, you follow me. That's discipleship. You just have to be one step ahead of the one you're discipling. When you're talking about meeting the needs of broken people in your city, the problem people, uh, that's it. You're releasing them to move forward and bring somebody along with them. They're not objects, they're subjects of ministry. 
So Matthew's, uh, Matthew's iPod, Matthew 10, 8, freely you've been given, freely give it away. Huge principle. I, insane evangelist. Everybody likes to talk about what Jesus is doing for them. We have a wrong interpretation of evangelism or evangelists in the West. Uh, evangelist is not somebody that speaks in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> uh, Billy Graham, Reinhard Bonnke, those figures, no. They're good preachers. An evangelist is somebody who in everyday life, where they go, they just like to talk with anybody they meet about what Jesus is doing in their life, naturally, organically. And the majority of people that hear them say, I want that too. That's an evangelist. I know because I live with one. My wife is an evangelist. She'll never stand up and speak in front of a bunch of people. She could, but she won't. She'll just be with prostitutes, with battered women, with runaway kids, sit with them, listen to them, and talk about what Jesus is doing for her, and they all want it. When you're talking about ministering to the problems of your city, don't leave Jesus out of it. Talk about him, but talk about it without all the religious trappings. It's reality. This is the real answer to life. Folks, um... During COVID, it feels like religious answers have been thrown out. People are not, uh, when church services or religious institutions couldn't do their services, uh, people felt bewildered. What do we do? <laughs> and now they realize it's all this religious stuff doesn't answer the problems of my life. They're looking for spiritual answers. There's a huge spiritual interest right now, but it's pretty divorced from religion and religious institutions. So we need to know how to talk about Jesus naturally, organically, all the time, 24-7. Matthew's iPod, Insane Events. Okay, P, P, Passion for the Lost. It, it's the lost people, the problems of our city. This is what it's all about. It's not about building our name brand or our institution or our buildings. All that stuff during COVID we realized isn't important now. But how are we impacting, transforming our city? Are there, I often ask churches, hey, if your church was closed this week, would your city miss you? And the majority of churches say, Jim, if we close this week, our city wouldn't even know it. I know if we close what we're doing here where I live, our city would miss us. We're making an impact. Uh, not everybody knows us as church, but they know us as a place that cares about the hurting people of our city and provides spiritual answers for people who are on a road to God. That's what we're known for. Passion for the lost means that that's the way we measure success. Success is about the impact we're having in, in, the, in the problems of our city. And if the problems are growing and we're not making an impact, we need to really reevaluate. Re and we just have to do it, get involved in the messiness of the problems. It's not about organizing, have a big planning committee, get everybody involved, do it. What God is putting in your heart, go do it. Just do it and see God show up. And then Matthew's IPO. Obedience-based discipleship, meaning teaching people to obey. You know, Jesus said it in the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Not teaching them doctrine, teaching them knowledge, but teaching them to do it, to obey. And with brand new disciples from problem backgrounds, we're just teaching them make one step at a time. You learn to hear God and obey and then the next step and the next step. You don't have to have a lot of theological knowledge. You just have to obey the little bit that you're learning right now, this day, this week. 
And that's how you solve problems of your city. Um, one person at a time, one step at a time. We know a lot and we do a little. And a lot of what we know, we haven't put into practice. And it, the rule would, if one time, or no, several times this has happened, but people have come to, to see what we're doing with young people. We're about a church of a thousand problem young people here, all bad backgrounds, but transform their lives. And people come and they witness this and they see it. And then they'll interview some of the kids and they'll say, why are you a part of this? And they say, every one of them answers the same. Because this is the place where I learn to hear God and obey what he says. Wow. Imagine if all of our churches were full of people who said that every week. Uh, this world would be transformed. This Your city would be transformed. Teaching people to hear God through induct, inductive Bible study. To hear God speak to them. It's not dependent on a great teacher. It's dependent on, on learning to obey. And that kind of dovetails into the last, the D of iPod, uh, Discovery Bible Learning. Uh, teach people to discover truth. You know, Jesus was a storyteller. He wasn't a teacher with point A, B, C, D. Uh, he told stories about the fisherman or about the uh, farmer. And then he'd ask his disciples, what did you learn from this story? And then he'd debrief with them. Uh, I think that's what we need to do. Encourage people to discover truth. And if you're from the education department, if that's your background, <laughs> you know that something a person discovers for themselves is much more impactful in their life than something that's taught to them. And that's what we do with these problem people. Uh, get them to start discovering truth for themselves and how to apply it. And they grow so much faster. One of my disciples is Demetrius. I called him Demi. He's from a military family. His dad was a, a soldier. And uh, all during his early childhood, he saw his dad beat his mom every single day of his life. When he was 12, he was so upset about his mom would, because she'd get beat, beat up, bones broken, go to the hospital, get back out, get beaten again, go back in the hospital. And when Demi was still young, 12, one night he goes into his father's room and gets a machete and is going to cut the throat of his dad. And at the last moment, God held his hand and he didn't do it. The next morning, his dad went off uh, to uh, the military outpost. And when he came back in the afternoon in the front of the house, in the, in the front yard, he fell over and died on the spot. They don't know if it was a heart attack or a stroke, but he was dead. At the funeral, Demi didn't even cry one tear. Uh, and he went on a path of rebellion. Year after year, in jail and out, in jail and out, the town criminal. Uh, his brothers and sisters came to faith through our ministry. His mom came to faith through our ministry. They they tried to help Demi, but he said, I don't want any of this stuff you're telling me. One night he was drinking with his buddies. He got pressure in his chest and he fell over to the ground and they rushed him emergency to the hospital. En route, he called out, God save me. If I don't die, I'll turn my life over to you. And God gave Demi a second chance. And he turned around 180 degrees overnight. And I put, the next day I put a Bible in his hands. I said, Demi, you don't need to come to a church service or a discipleship course. Here's a Bible. I'm going to show you how to do discovery Bible study, inductive Bible study. Ask questions. Hear God's spirit speak to you. And whatever he says, you obey it and obey it quickly. 
And every day, Demi would read, hear God, and do it. And he grew rapidly, became one of my top leaders to this day. And he came to me one day and he said, Jim, you know, if we hear God speak to us, we have to obey within 48 hours. If we don't obey within 48 hours, that truth leaves us, vanishes. And I listened to him. I said, that's true. And that became our 48-hour rule in our ministry. And if you hear God speak to you, you have 48 hours to obey. If you don't obey within 48 hours, you'll lose that truth. And everybody in our ministry knows this. And they don't let delayed obedience happen. They do immediate obedience to the best they can. Is it perfect? No. But at least they're moving forward. And with problem people and with the problems of your city, that's it. You just don't stop. You don't have to be perfect, but you just keep on going and don't stop. And your salt and the light that is in you will impact your place. You've been listening to the King Internet Stories. And our guest today, Jim Yost from Papua, Indonesia, has been sharing with us stories of how God's people have been able to be Jesus' hands and feet in order to demonstrate his great love for those who do not yet know him. Jim, thank you for being with us today. And we ask that those of you who have been listening, use what you've heard to inspire you to be Jesus' hands and feet today and this week in your community. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.